All right, so we're going to dive into Ruth chapter three today. You can open up your Bibles, have it ready. And I want to anchor right into the very first verse of the chapter. It said, it says, then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? And I want to zero in today on that word rest. There's another translation and it says, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. And as I thought about this scripture, I thought, isn't that the desire of every single one of our hearts? And what a beautiful thing to desire for someone else, to desire on behalf of someone else, that you would have rest, that it may be well with you, that you would have a place of permanent rest where you would be provided for, a permanent home. All of these things are truly the desire of our hearts. And I want you just to sit in that for a moment, and I want you just to imagine it. I want you to imagine it for yourself. I want you to imagine it for your loved ones. I want you to imagine what that truly means. As our love story continues today, with another beautiful layer of Ruth seeking refuge through Naomi's invitation. At the heart of this message is the gospel message, the gospel message of salvation. And it truly is in our gospel message, an invitation to an eternal dwelling place, a home, a rest for our spirits where everything we could possibly have need of would be provided for. You know, in this world, we as humans often fantasize about what it might feel like or look like or be like to have all our needs and desires met. And these dreams might include all kinds of different things. It might be fun after to have a conversation about what, you know, if money was no object, what could you imagine? What would you want to do? What could you have? But all of these things speaks to, you know, if we had everything in the world, but we did not have security, if we did not have rest, if we did not have true peace or true provision or the true provision of home, really, what do we have? Jesus said we could have the whole world, but if we lose our soul in the process, what really do we have? We hear a powerful phrase, you know, from people who come new to Life Center. We hear this again and again and again. And I know this happens in other churches too. It's just that Life Center is the context I'm speaking through. And they say, they'll come as a new person and they'll say, I, I felt at home. I, I just, I walked into the door and I just felt like I was home. And there's a spiritual gift that only God can give. This gift of home in him that transcends all earthly wants or desires, a spiritual gift that truly is supernatural, where, you know, we're invited into a place and we feel this sense of safety, security, and truly rest for our weary soul. Psalm 17, 8 says, hide me under the shadow of your wing. Psalm 91, three to four says, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you will find refuge, his faithfulness, a shield and buckler. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus, our kinsman redeemer says this, lament over Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem he's referring to in this as his chicks. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those who sent it. How often would I gather your children together as hens gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. This world cries out for someone to stand up for them, to protect them, to cover them and to give them rest. And at the same time, they reject the very provision and protection that Jesus provides. Jesus covered our sins by his blood. And we're going to see in our story today, this reference about wings or another translation says skirt. Jesus has literally covered and protected us from the curse of sin under his wings. And by grace, through salvation, Jesus has given us a home, an eternal rest in God's house, in God's family as co-heirs in an eternal inheritance of life everlasting. And our story today is a natural example of all that our salvation by our kinsman redeemer offers us. And I pray that through this story, you will find a fresh, a deeper level of rest and home for your weary and wandering soul. Let's take a moment and just pray into this. Father, we just invite you by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to us. We understand that even in our own strength, we have no ability to actually truly fathom and understand how much you love us, truly fathom and understand the depths of your grace towards us and what you have done for us. And so in this in this place, God, and as we dive into this story, we ask that through a revelation of your Holy Spirit, that you would take us to deeper levels of understanding of your love and your grace and your gift of permanent rest, your gift for our soul of rest and provision. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Ruth chapter three. Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies and then go uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. It's interesting what's happening here. Naomi recognizes that Ruth has found favor with Boaz and that Boaz is an honorable man, someone who is a relative, therefore could fulfill the obligation of kinsman redeemer. But more than that, Naomi actually seems to be setting them up together. Naomi's enthusiasm shows that she is possibly no longer in mourning. And now she begins to actually cling to the hope of possible redemption for her family name and for her family line and her lineage through Ruth. Naomi is taking initiation rather than waiting for salvation to be offered to them through Boaz or through another relative. She's taking matters into her own hands and she's telling Ruth, go ask that boy out. Actually, rather than waiting for the the traditional roles of the male to initiate the relationship. It's like she's saying to her right now, go have a shower, go get ready, make yourself look good and ask that boy to marry you. And when you really think about it, like that's, that's crazy. That's crazy that she's making him do that, that she's making her do that. 
Her preparation signifies that Ruth is no longer mourning as well and ready for a new relationship. It's actually very significant in the story. She's told to uncover his feet and to lie down there. And this will demonstrate her dependence on him in view of this very bold marriage proposal that she's about to make. It's sometimes suggested his feet, uh, place of rest, is a, euphem a euphemism for sexual content. But in this particular chapter, remember, do you remember when we read the story of Moses and the foreskin and, uh, and the feet, and it was actually foreskin. So this is in the, in the original Hebrew, uh, sometimes the case, but in this story, particularly, there's no evidence to support this. And it would be out of place in the story to think that this was an actually a sexual thing that was happening. This is a very bold and courageous thing she's being asked to do, but she complies right down to every detail. Now, she is risking rejection. She's risking offending Boaz, and she's risking putting herself and Boaz in a very compromising position uh, going and doing this. So she has a lot on the line as she prepares to go and do this very bold, bold act. Verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. You see, Ruth comes to Boaz from the posture of a servant. The Hebrew meaning in this context is that of a maidservant, not a slave servant. Maid servants enjoyed the privileges of the home and could also at this time give birth to an heir for their master. This speaks to her humility in this request. She's not asking or expecting or acts with any form of entitlement. Instead, she recognizes her need of a redeemer and postures herself in the form of a servant in hopes of receiving rest, a home, security, protection, and ultimately, she recognizes she needs saving. The prodigal son said, let me be one of your servants. And the father said, no, you're my son. You were once lost and now you were found and reestablishes his, his inheritance and his position in the family. Boaz does not take advantage of Ruth, but instead seeks to restore her and Naomi's family line. It's so powerful that our very own savior, Jesus, came in the form of a servant to give his life for us. He sets the example for us to walk in this way. Now, Ruth's bold ask to Boaz to spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer, actually translates to a legit marriage proposal. She's asking him to agree to marry her, to redeem her by draping the edge of his garment over her, spreading his wings like a hen would do over his chicks. Christ spreads his protection over the church, his bride as her kinsman redeemer. And we, my friends, are that church. Boaz remarks, speak to the character of Ruth. 
he sees this bold and courageous act as the last great kindness for Naomi and all the tragedy that has befallen them. The first kindness he's referencing here is how Ruth has left everything that she had to support and to care for Naomi. And he honors her for in her desperation, she does not just look for any man to go after her and to look after her and her mother-in-law, but instead waits for a true kinsman redeemer to bring rest and the gift of home to them. Let's keep reading in verse 11. And now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. When Boaz calls Ruth a worthy woman, it is the same as him saying, you are a most excellent wife. What a response in light of this bold ask. In a sense, Ruth said, will you marry me? And Boaz said, yes, you would make an amazing wife. Now, Boaz wants to marry Ruth. Boaz wants to redeem her and Naomi and restore the entire family line. But he knows that legally, he's not the closest one in line to take on this responsibility. So he must follow the right order of the day. So he advocates for Ruth and Naomi to see if the closer relative will accept his family obligation to redeem his family. How interesting is it that this relative has not already owned up to this legal obligation? He will be confronted straight on by Boaz, and Boaz may only claim his right of redemption if the other redeemer is not willing. And I'm sure that all along, Boaz is really hoping that he is going to say no because of his love for Ruth. Verse 14. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before anyone could recognize her. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went to the city. And when when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter. Until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Isn't it interesting to see the contrast? The man will not rest. We started with wanting rest, but the man will not rest until the matter is settled. Such a beautiful uh, opposing picture of this word rest used in this story. Boaz does not want anyone to know that what Ruth has done because her risky act could compromise her reputation and so and his own. So he asks her to leave before anyone would see them together. Boaz shows great restraint and honor through this whole scene that is playing out. Boaz gives Ruth the gift of provision, ample provision, to communicate to Naomi of his intentions. Boaz once again functions in the story as the channel of the Lord's kindness towards Naomi. You see, God was never against her. He simply had a plan far greater than her own to use her family line as a significant part of God's own grand plan of redemption for all of people. 
Where does your own soul need rest? This story of Ruth is an invitation for each of us into the intimacy of relationship that Christ offers to each one of us. Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, is our home, our rest, our provision, our protection, and has established us as co-heirs with him in abundant life. Christ wants to make ourselves known to him, to follow his ways, to trust him with our future through loss and famine and danger and whatever comes our way. You know, it's interesting because there's a housing crisis in our city. Well, all throughout our country, but in our city, as it particularly pertains to us. And I believe that there is a housing crisis, not only in the natural, but also in the spiritual. People have no rest. They have no home, no provision for their souls. They're wandering in foreign lands, looking for bread, finding only tragedy. And it is a time for the church, you and me, and all of us collectively to rise in all of her glory, to truly be a place of bread for the lost and broken, a home for those in need of rest. But how can we, the church, be a place of rest for the weary and wandering if we are weary ourselves and if we are prone to wander ourselves? How will we hear the call to sacrificially give for the sake of the lost if we're tired and we're weary and we're carrying the weight and the cares of the world on our shoulders? If we're so easily distracted by the demands of the world to live from a place of true home in God. I want us to do something right now on this call as we begin to wrap up. I want us just to take a couple of minutes to practice something that is a spiritual discipline, the spiritual discipline of silence. And I want us to actually take two minutes, just two minutes, not very long, but I want us to specifically visualize ourselves being in the presence of the Lord. The truth is we're in the presence of the Lord all of the time. God's presence lives inside of us. His Holy Spirit, the spirit of his presence, the dwelling lives inside of us. But I literally want you to visualize it in your mind, whatever that looks like, that you are sitting with Jesus as if maybe you've got your coffee in your hand and you're just sitting in a space and he's right in the room. So you're in the presence of Jesus, the physical presence he's with you. And I want you just to imagine it. And I want you to imagine his presence just filling the room that you are sitting in right now and just being in the presence of the Lord. Maybe today you're going to come to Jesus like Ruth and sit at his feet and ask him to cover you under his wings. And as we sit just for two minutes in silence and just imagine being with Jesus, just being in his presence. If and when, probably when your mind wanders to something else, something that maybe is coming in your day, just gently repent, say, sorry, Lord, come back to the moment and just sit in that moment and focus your mind around the Lord and being in his presence and let Jesus give you a gift of rest to your soul in your soul space. Let him give you a place of rest. Let's do this together. And in this posture of rest, I'm going to read the chapter one more time, just straight through. And I just want you to allow the Lord to speak to you 
through the Holy Spirit, what pops out to you? What is God saying through this chapter? I'm just going to read it one more time straight through. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with the, with whose young women you were with? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. And may you have made this last kindness greater than the first, that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear, for I will do all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could reckon, before anyone could recognize them. And he said, let it not be known that the woman, the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And she went to the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled. And that is Ruth chapter three. I'm going to pray for you and anybody who needs to go to work, you're free to leave. If you'd like to stay on the chat, we can have a time of discussion together. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this powerful, powerful story that's right in the middle of the Old Testament, in the time of the judges, in a time of violence, in a time of conflict. You've placed this beautiful story of the heart of your redemption for us. And God, as we read it, I pray that we can personalize this story for what you have done for every single one of us. And God, I pray that each one of us may walk in the true rest that only you can give our soul. God, I pray that each one of us would walk in the boldness of Ruth to be able to ask you for the things that we have need of and to be able to trust you as our redeemer and as our provider to do what only you can do. 
God, I pray for each one of us today that no matter what we're navigating or walking in our life and circumstance, that you would give us a perspective shift on what it is that we see. That God, that where we're overwhelmed, that you would show us a way of provision. That God, where we need healing, that Father, you would show us what it is that you are doing in our lives. God, no matter what it is that we need of, if we need a breakthrough, God, if we need freedom in an area, God, would you show us the way of provision, what you have and are already doing in the midst of our circumstance. Thank you, Jesus, for all you have done in our life. God, I thank you that every one of us comes to you in the form of a servant and you establish us in the position of a son and a daughter in your kingdom. God, we thank you for that. There is nothing in our own strength that we could ever do to earn or deserve that. That is by your grace alone. But God, afresh today, we receive all that you have given us. We love you so much, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.